Hey everybody, so before we get started, this episode was recorded before the NFL Awards, so just wanted to say congratulations to Kevin Stefanski for winning Coach of the Year, and congratulations to Aaron Donald winning Defensive Player of the Year, even though I think I should have went to TJ Watt. Podcast. I'm your host, Quinter. Today, we're talking AFC North football. Gonna get started with my favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Black and gold, baby. 12-4 and four this year, we won the division. Kind of a shock how well we started. Started 11-0. Finished the season 1-4. Really should have finished the season 0-5. We didn't have that kind of lucky game against the Indianapolis Colts. It was kind of the Colts game to lose. I honestly kind of blame Frank Reich on that game. I'll get more into that on my Colts review. We went 4-2 in the division. Lost the game to the Browns at the end. Lost the game to the Bengals. It's kind of like their Super Bowl. But they came out and beat us. Steelers finally won games this year that they should have lost normally. Kind of the classic Steelers trap game. You look at the Cowboys game earlier on in the year. I could have seen that going the Cowboys way. Usually that would. We go on the road and lose a game that we should win against a team that we should probably just blow out. They didn't have Dak at that point. Their defense was abysmal. We should have won that game heavy-handedly. Other game was against the Jaguars. Did win that game pretty heavy-handedly, but I went into that game thinking about those past years. That year in 2018 when the Jaguars just had our number. We just couldn't get over it. Even though they only won one game this year, I was sitting there kind of nervous thinking this would be their second win of the year. For the whole year, this team was the team. They were not frauds. People want to say the Steelers were frauds. There was many reasons why you see the decline. But not at any point were they a fraudulent team. Maybe they did have kind of an easy schedule. But you play the teams that you're scheduled to play. That's not their fault. If anything, schedule started to work against them once the the COVID outbreak started. You look at the Ravens. You look at the Titans. Those both affected the Steelers. Week 5, when Devin Bush went down, the season was in question. When he went down, non-contact injury, ACL, against the Browns, that's when the season was in doubt. I kind of felt really poorly about that. Where do we go from here? We just lost a huge member on our defense. I know our defense was stacked, but where do the Steelers go from there? Once Bud Dupree went down week 11 against the Ravens, the season was over. Over. 
done. There was no more, this is the best team in the league. It's because Bud Dupree and TJ Watt work so well together. The way they attacked the quarterback was in kind of like a pincer maneuver. One guy from the left, one guy from the right, meeting at a point. I compare it to like a common pair of household scissors. Have you ever tried to cut something with one arm of the scissor? It doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And if it does work, it looks really sloppy. It's not clean. So without that, we didn't have our, our tool. We didn't have our defensive tool. We did have good guys filling in. Robert Spillane, Alex Hythesmith stepped up in his rookie year. Got Avery Williamson from the Jets. But it, it just wasn't enough. And on, honestly, that's okay. With the adversity that the Steelers went through this year, and everything felt like it was not going their way, I'm okay with it. By the end of the season, you saw a team that was exhausted, no bye week. Injured. A lot of injuries. They played the cards that they were dealt. And that was the result. I don't see anything wrong with that. Even though they were good, it doesn't go without saying that there were problems. The offense started off really good. People were talking about Ooh, Steelers are exciting to watch now because it used to be Steelers football is run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball hard, hard defense. That's Steelers football. And we saw some of that this year, but they had a little bit of a tweak to their identity where we were getting some passes off. Ben's throwing a lot, even though his arms hurt, just came off surgery. The offense never grew. You saw those little bubble screens, all those two-yard routes before the catch. The offense never grew. Defenses started to figure it out. And you look at the Washington game. They rushed the quarterback. Kind of how the Steelers did. Two-prong scissor attack. And when you have that kind of rush, and you're... You're not trying to get to the quarterback. You're trying to impede the quarterback. You're trying to block the passing lane. It shut down the offense. There's no way to get those quick passes off because they knew exactly what you were going to do almost every single play. James Conner was hurt for second half of the year, most of it. And even when he wasn't, he was really getting a lot of power runs. The offense just got figured out. So, I feel like the the offensive line got so used to pass protection that they couldn't run block anymore. They didn't need to. Ben's throwing it 50 times a game. Their plays off were now on the run plays. Which it shouldn't be. 
they were so focused on getting good at pass protection, which they were. Our old line was really good at pass protection because that's all they needed. But they were also getting good at pass protection that only lasted three seconds. No extended plays. And maybe that, over the course of the season, that hurt the team. But Steelers get rid of their offense coordinator, Randy Feekner. I just think he was kind of there, because when you think about it, Ben's really the one calling the plays. He's been in the league for 17 years. I don't think that he'd be getting told what to do anymore. Randy Feekner made sense as offensive coordinator. He's an older gentleman. So it was Ben telling me you bring in one of these younger coordinators and he's going to tell Ben what to do? No shot. Absolutely not. There's no way. So they hired from within. That's good to see. Matt Canada. Let's see what they can do with that next year. Going on to the wide receivers. Juju's fine. Juju's absolutely fine. It it pained me to see all these things about, oh, Juju's dancing on the logo. Juju cares about his internet personality more than his football playing. That's not true. He, he's still out there. He's still practicing. He still did fine. He did great in the beginning of the season. It's when it got down the line, when you see that our offense is getting figured out, that's where the problems were. But Juju's play never changed. You watch you watch Juju get the ball, five-yard run. Five-yard catch, five-yard run. First down. And halfway through that five-yard run, extension of the play, he's running through somebody. Because he's trying to get that first down. You're going to tell me that's someone who doesn't care anymore? You're telling me that's someone who's distracted? When the helmet went on and the ball was snapped, Juju was still all there all season. Never changed. I think people were just looking for something to talk about, and that happened to be what was going on because he was doing that all season. And it only came a distraction when they ran out of things to blame. There didn't need to be any blame. Won 11 games in a row. That's incredibly difficult. Then you caught the injury bug. Your team got tired. You got screwed with the bye this year. You basically didn't get a bye. Week four comes up. Wednesday or Thursday and they're telling you oh this is your bye week now what about the players that wanted to do something with their families they have two days now three days and then it's back to work you're still practicing during buys but 
I'm sure players have certain traditions or rituals or things that they do on their bye week to totally get them back into the game mentally, physically, ready to go. And it's brought up to you weeks earlier. You're unprepared for that and you're practicing for a team that Sunday. That's going to affect you long term for the season. You won't be able to get that kind of recovery until after the season. I I just think that they had, not to make excuses. We don't want to make excuses. Just trying to rationalize what happened this season. They have some weird playing situations. They had to play (laughs) Wednesday night game against the Ravens. That's weird. Abnormal. It was an abnormal season. But this was supposed to be the year. And it wasn't. That's okay. Because Steelers have had their run. Most of my life. And we'll be back not saying it's over still have still another year maybe even two of runs but going forward especially as a fan you have to set realistic expectations where these next coming off seasons are crucial if they they don't go right or we don't get the right guy we're looking at the black and yellow being the fourth best team in the afc north You got the Ravens, they got Lamar, they got a good defense, they got a good structure. You got the Browns, they got something going right now. They're not going to give that up, they're going to keep competing. Then you got the Bengals, that's that's the most wild card of it. They need a couple dominoes to fall in the right places. They need to protect Joe Burrow. But it's there, the potential is there. Meaning that maybe a 6-10 and ten season means you're fourth place in the AFC North. It's looking to be one of the most stacked conferences. The AFC is hard to get out of. Especially when it's the AFC North. Steelers had their chances over the last couple of years. But there is this one guy, maybe you've heard of him, Tom Brady. Basically gatekeeping a lot of their opportunities. (laughs) He's the best player in the last 20 years. And it shows because the Steelers have Ben has two rings. Got to another Super Bowl. Lost to Aaron Rodgers. So be it. It was a good game. I think the Steelers are going to have a little bit of a, of a downswing. But they'll be back. We have one of the best foundations organizationally. 
in the league. The Roonies are fantastic owners. Our front office rarely misses. And you look at our rookies this year. Chase Claypool was phenomenal. After the draft, I went and looked at some of his Notre Dame film. And I saw a guy who could be like Mike Evans. A really good go-up-and-get-it kind of guy. A red zone threat. And he was. I mean, most of his red zone touchdowns were those end-around jet sweeps. But it worked. He scored. He's going to be so good going forward. And I hope that Juju stays. Because those two together are a great combo, not only on the field, but off the field. They're great for the locker room. Keeping things light. Making sure that people are focused, but also having fun. You look on the defensive side, Alex Highsmith. He was really good. Really good for a rookie. He's taken in the third round. Maybe even the fourth round. He did so well, and he is a true Steelers draft pick. A guy maybe from a smaller school, but usually deeper in the rounds. And he just has immediate impact on the team. He was needed this year. He was able to develop in those first couple of weeks. And then when Devin Bush went out and we needed him, he was there. He is good. He'll continue to be good. He's got a lot of good players around him to teach him the ways on what they do. And that's all he has to do is mimic that. And he was able to do that. Kevin Dotson on the offensive line was solid. We needed him. Our offensive line was okay this year. Could have been better. Probably come back stronger next year. More rested. More fine-tuned. My last couple of points on the Steelers. Mike Tomlin's job is secure. I don't know what else to tell people who want him out. I don't. In my whole lifetime, there's been two Steelers head coaches. Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin. Two. I know teams that have had Ten head coaches in the last, like, 20 years. It's better for the team to be stable. Sure, there's things to pick apart about Tomlin, how sometimes it seems like can't get it together down the road. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. One and one in Super Bowls. He's been there. Just has to get back there. I think they will. 
Steelers don't really fire head coaches. It's kind of a really good thing about the team. We keep our guys. As long as there's no major problems, we try to keep our guys. You guys heard me talk about this guy earlier in the Philadelphia Eagles review. I think the Steelers should go and get Hakeem Butler. He's basically out there for free right now. He can be good, especially you get him into the Steelers wide receiver room. The Steelers wide receiver room who is known for developing and turning talent into superstars. Manuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, Juju, now Claypool, Deontay Johnson, Antonio Holmes. Like these guys just don't come out of nowhere. They're developed by the team. You take their strong aspects of what makes them a good player and embolden them. Make them their go-to trait. The team will be fine. It's just about getting it together. Now let's get into the Baltimore Ravens. Probably my least favorite team as a fan. So I'm going to do my best to throw my bias aside. And talk about a good football team. Ravens went 11-5. 4-2 in the division. They had three losses this year. One each to the Chiefs. The Titans, two to Pittsburgh, and that one weird Pats game with the storm and couldn't see the football, and just a mess. Kind of a loss of circumstance there. They had the highest point differential in the league. Hundred sixty five plus hundred sixty five. They have second fewest points allowed and the seventh most points for. Their defense is so good. I said at the draft, Patrick Queen was such a phenomenal pick by them. He's so good, and he went so late in the draft. You got Calais Campbell. That's a big man. It's a big man who's really good at football. You got Justin Matabuike. Judon, Bowser, Brunel McPhee, Yannick Ngakwe. These are superstars. Marlon Humphrey, Jason Peters. That's a scary, scary defense. I I definitely felt it the first time that the Steelers played the Ravens in that really close game. Their defense was terrifying. 
offense just needs more support. Lamar Jackson is elite. Like, can, can we stop pretending that Lamar Jackson is not amazing at football? He is so good. He is such a good quarterback. His arm is already there. People are saying he's not a good passer. Maybe he's not the most accurate. Maybe he's not the best pocket passer. But he makes up for it in other aspects. There's a reason he won the MVP. He didn't just luck into an MVP award. He won the MVP because he's good. Because he's great. It's only his third season. It's only his second full season. Yeah, there was a drop-off because people have more film on him. They were able to figure him out a little bit. And then this season, you saw him have to try to figure out defenses more because they were now game planning for Lamar Jackson. Specifically, how do we contain this guy? Sometimes you can't. That's how good he is. That one play against the Browns, the fourth and five, towards the end of the game where he rolls out and everyone thinks, yeah, this is definitely a run. And he throws it to Hollywood Brown for like a 50-something yard touchdown. That was probably the best play of the season for Lamar Jackson. Because he showed how he can throw the ball, especially when you think he's going to run it. He tricked people. That's better than like a Drew Brees being able to drop back, throw it 30 yards, completion. Well, yeah, you know that's going to happen. You didn't know that was going to happen. To be fair, there are parts of his game that I don't appreciate, like when he tiptoes down the sideline and then tries to sneak out an extra yard or two and then gets hit, looks for the flag, always gets the flag. But he's looking for a penalty there. It's a little bit of an abuse of the rules. If you're going to go out, go out. Because you know that they can't touch you. So you tiptoeing down the line. It's not. It's not really gamesmanship. I get it. You're trying to get every inch that you can. But if you do that. Expect contact. You're a runner. Expect to get hit. So the, the referees being a little loose with the yellow flag there. It, it, it needs to have a little bit of a context about what's going on. It's too quick to throw the flag for a quarterback. And I get it. You're protecting the quarterback. The quarterback also has to protect himself. He's putting himself in a situation. He can get hit. And you act like he's surprised that he got hit. Ravens offense 
needs a better go up and get it kind of player. Closest thing they have is Mark Andrews, who's a beast. He's really good. He is a big, strong tight end who can catch the ball down the field, akin to a Travis Kelsey. He's probably a step or two below Kelsey, but he's in the same category of styles of play. He can block better than Kelsey. Kelsey can also block, so it's kind of like saying an A or a B. They need a wide receiver that Lamar Jackson can throw it downfield to in coverage. Of course, he can air it out to the guys who are wide open, the speed guys, the Hollywood Browns, Miles Boykin. I wouldn't really throw Willie Sneed in there, but he can definitely catch the ball. They need that elite wide receiver to be the best. They have Des Bryant. If they had prime Des Bryant, Cowboys Des Bryant, the Ravens would be the scariest team in the league. But they have a an, an aged Des Bryant. A Des Bryant that came off of a terrible Achilles injury training for the Saints. Good to see that he came back from that. But he's just not the same player. And they need that kind of player. That go up and get it in coverage. Be able to beat someone with their speed or their vertical. If they can get their contracts to work, especially on the defensive side, this is going to be a team that will be set up for success for years to come. We've already seen it in recent years. They were favored to win the division this year. They're going to be favored to win the division next year. It's just going to keep coming. More and more success for the Baltimore Ravens. I hate saying that as a Steelers fan, but it's true. They're a good football team, and they're going to continue to be a good football team until they don't have their guys anymore. But they will for a while. And and these next couple of drafts, I'm, I'm looking way ahead, these next couple of drafts, will be huge for the Baltimore Ravens and what they do with those picks. Okay, let's talk about the Browns. The Cleveland Browns is the Browns is the Browns. They went 11-5 and this year. Only 3-3 three and three in the division. Tough division. They had a very on-and-off year. They beat the Jags, but only by two. They beat the Texans. Only by ten. They have that weird Raiders game. 
lost to the Jets. But then they go up and put 49 against the Cowboys. Even though we've already talked how bad that defense is, they still exploited it. And 48 points against Pittsburgh in the wild card game. Then you get knocked off by the Chiefs. Next round. Okay. They're the Chiefs. That's kind of expected. They're the only team with a winning record that had a negative point differential. They had a minus 11 point differential. For anyone that doesn't know, that means that even though they won 11 games, Overall in the season, they scored 11 points less than their opponents did. So that means that their wins were close, and their losses were not. Kind of generalizing it. Browns are good. Browns are good. have a huge history of not being good, so it's kind of like a joke to say it, but they're not a joke. This team is not a joke. And it showed. They've got a fire. From years and years and years of the team sucking. These players are out to prove that that's not true anymore. And they did. Mostly this season. Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. Didn't know who he was. If you asked me to point him out in a lineup, wouldn't know. Probably get it wrong. But now now people do. Now I do know. You should know who this guy is. He's a motivator. And also an X's and O's guy. He's both. He can call the plays and also get you fired up. That's a great trait in a head coach. Even after losing Odell this year, the Browns were stacked at almost every position. You look at their wide receiver, Corey, you have Odell, goes down. Got Jarvis Landry, baller, LSU Tiger. Rashard Higgins, he can play. He can make the catches you need him too, especially in the red zone. Then you got everybody's favorite player, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Donovan for the Peoples-Jones. He's all right. He's pretty good. He's a good fourth option when Odell comes back. In five wide set, he'll be good. Look at their running backs. Kareem Hunt. Coming off two years ago, having one of the greatest seasons. Definitely of his career. Some of the best running back play we've seen from the Chiefs since Jamal Charles. Then he gets into some controversy. Don't have to get into that, but he winds up at the Browns and he continues to perform as a number two. Because you have this guy 
named Nick Chubb, who just keeps on trucking, just like Derrick Henry. He just keeps on trucking. Game goes on, so does he. He's a bowling ball in cleats. No one wants to tackle this man. He's so strong. He's a power runner. Their running backs will always be fine going forward for the next couple of seasons. Then there's always, what about the quarterback? That was the thing. The Browns quarterback. They always need a new quarterback. They have a guy. Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is really good. He's not going to blow you away with the stats. He's not going to go and have a six-touchdown game. Maybe he can. Who knows? He's not going to do it routinely. He's not going to go running down the field for a 50-yarder. But he is a competitor. He wants to win. He'll do whatever it takes to win. And he is a huge chip-on-his-shoulder kind of guy. He'll take any kind of motivation from people doubting him. Anything. He'll remember it. He'll put it to memory. He'll use that as fuel to his fire. I respect that so much from Baker. He's really good. I I love that probably his biggest rival was Chris Collinsworth. (laughs) And that he'll he keeps proving him wrong and Collinsworth always finds a new thing well guess what you you just gave him more motivation to be even better their offense just has an embarrassment of riches even you look at the the tight ends you got this new guy Harrison Bryant as you also have David Njoku and also Cooper. They have so much talent in so many positions. I I just wonder how they're going to get all those contracts sorted out or if everyone's just on board with this ship. Their offensive line is elite. Maybe even the best offensive line in the entire league. And I think there's a little bit of credit that's not being put out to the right person. Yes, you give credit to the offensive lines coach. Yes, you give credit to the players themselves. But when you think Brown's offensive linemen There is one person that you think of, and that's Joe Thomas. Possibly one of the most consummate pros I've ever seen put on a helmet and pads. He played through some of the worst football I've ever seen. Never complained once. There's a story of him shaking a guy's hand for the first time. A quarterback's hand. For the first time and introducing himself in the huddle in the middle of the game. He'd never met this man before and he was about to go block for him. 
never complained. He was an all-pro. Sure Hall of Famer. Probably first ballot. And I think some of that rubbed off into the, the locker room. Some of that influence is still there. Whether it's directly from him, or just people wanting to model themselves after one of the best guys to do it. In that uniform, no less. The defensive line is good overall, but they, they, they could use some more discipline. You saw it in the Steelers game in the wild card. They almost came back. Just crazy to think about. I don't know if that's a credit to the Steelers' offense or if it's a discredit to the Browns' defense. They just didn't seem to get the right stops at certain times. But that happens. I mean, sometimes sometimes you don't call the right play. Sometimes you call a run block against a passing play, and it doesn't work. It happens. But it happened more than not. I don't blame the coordinator. I just think they need another year of being together. That that defensive core. Because Miles Garrett's crazy good. I still don't think it was right what he did to Mason Rudolph, but, you know, hindsight, I don't know, is what it is. The man's made up for his mistakes. He's a great member of the community and the work that he does for other people. So got to respect that. They just need more defensive discipline. Sometimes I feel like they're so focused on the blitz that they don't worry about the players behind them that are in coverage. And when that happens on a run, that's where you see those big runs get broken off. And that happened to to the Browns a little bit this year. So in 2018... The Browns had two picks in the top four. They picked Baker Mayfield. They also picked another guy. His name's Denzel Ward from Ohio State. People, when the Browns had that hard knocks on HBO that's that season, people were talking about how slighted Nick Chubb was. How about now? Where's Denzel Ward's shine now? He's next to Miles Garrett, probably their best player on defense. By far. He's really good in coverage. And I don't think people notice that enough. I think the, the Browns going forward will be in contention for the division crazy as that is to say but they'll be contesting the Ravens and Steelers going forward 
maybe even the Bengals if some of my predictions come true or if it works out for them. The Browns is the Browns, and the Browns is good now. Just something that people have to accept. Last but not least, got the Cincinnati Bengals. They went 4-11 and and won. 1-5 and in the division. They had the fourth least points in the league. Bottom five in point differential. Minus 113. But they only had five more points let up than the Cleveland Browns. Their coach, Zach Taylor, too early to tell with this guy. I I truly just don't have a read on this guy. He's a guy like Stefanski that even to this day, I could not pick him out out of a group. I think he'll be fine for now. Again, I haven't really seen what he can do. He doesn't really have anything to play around with, you know? Nothing to try out. So it'll be interesting to see next year, possibly the year after, about where the status of this team is. Because right now, it's not great. Joe Burrow is possibly going to be in the MVP contention in the next couple of years. I'm a big Joe Burrow guy. I was not a fan of seeing him go to the Bengals. But they had the number one pick. He was the overall number one, so it makes sense. He's legit with the lack of tools that he had this season. To watch what he was able to do was incredible. There's a lot of people saying, well, maybe his game won't translate to the pros. No, it, it did. It did. He's a quarterback of circumstance and opportunity. That That's the reason that I think Joe Burrow will have a better career than Trevor Lawrence. Now, that's also a, a too early to say statement, but Joe Burrow, he's a quarterback of circumstance. He's an Ohio guy, went to Ohio State, couldn't get the starting job, went to LSU, won a national title. Joe Burrow, the year before they won the national title, Joe Burrow was not the best quarterback. He improved. He learned Coach O's system. Joe Brady's system. He learned to be a better quarterback. He went out and he won games. He did the right things. Tried to make as few mistakes as possible. The highest quarterback completion percentage. Then he goes to the Bengals. A lot of people talk about, is Joe Burrow going to come out of this draft? Does he want to play for the Bengals? 
Joe Burrow will play anywhere that you put him. Cause he he never got his way before. He'll make the best of the opportunity that you give him. And he'll do good with it. He'll win with it. Or at least he'll do his damn best. That's why I think Trevor Lawrence going to the Jaguars might not be such a great thing. He'll still look good. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. He's not going to be bad. We've seen how good he is. But he's not used to losing. He doesn't really lose a lot. Is that going to rattle him to a point where he tries to overcorrect his game? And it's not working anymore. We'll see. But I think Joe just has the better skill set to play through more adversity. That being said, they did go 2-7-1 and one with Joe in before he was injured. And in the last five games, they went 1-4. and four. So kind of even. I don't I don't really put that on Joe necessarily when their defense wasn't that good either. So when you look at his stats, he had 13 touchdowns and five interceptions. Not the best. But if you look at the rookie of the year, Justin Herbert, he's kind of on pace with him. Maybe a couple good games down the line. He wins the rookie of the year if he doesn't get hurt. Who knows? If hands and buts. But the team did beat the Titans. They lost to Pittsburgh once. Lost to the Browns. Lost to Indy. Guess what? Those are all playoff teams that I just named. They only had one really bad loss, and that was to Baltimore while Joe Burrow was playing. But they had two one-score games against Cleveland, the Colts, and the Chargers. They won their Super Bowl Week 15 against Pittsburgh. That was the game that they came out the hardest. They came out on prime time, and they just wanted to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they did. That was the top that you saw from the Cincinnati Bengals. That was them at their best. It was pretty decent, considering they didn't have their top quarterback. Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt. We go into week 15 against Pittsburgh. Seeing Joe Joe Burrow against the old guard of Pittsburgh Steelers. That game is no longer a shocking win. I would have expected that to happen as a Pittsburgh fan, especially the way at the end of our season was going. But then you look at guys like T. Higgins. He's really good. That's a great pick. Guy out of Clemson. Joe Burrow beat him in the national championship, and now he's throwing dimes to him. You got players like Tyler Boyd. He's a good wide receiver too. 
think T Higgins is a little a little better now. He's shown that T Higgins is legit. Tyler Boyd is no one to slouch on. You still got AJ Green. AJ Green has top five receptions in the AFC all time. How much longer can he play for? Remains to be seen. I think he's okay with not being the top guy anymore. Don't think AJ Green really has that big of an ego that he can step aside and say, hey, you know what? The young guns are coming and they're going to help me win. So I'm okay with that. On the downside, I don't like Joe Mixon. I think Joe Mixon is bad. Never been high on him. I don't think he's the worst running back in the league. That's that's just not true. But he he cannot be your guy, Bengals fans. Might get some hate for saying that, but in the six games that he did play this season, averaged three point six yards a carry. That was on a hundred and nineteen carries. He only had one game out of those six that had 100 total yards. He did have 100 rushing yards. He also had 50-something reception yards. But only one game with 100 total yards, rushing and receiving. He had three rushing touchdowns and one reception touchdown. Two of those rush touchdowns and that reception touchdown all came in the same game. That kind of explosive behavior where he's only good for maybe three games out of the year if he's fully healthy, that's not going to get you that very far. It needs to be better or you need somebody else. I think they just need something new out of the running back position. Whether you trade for that or draft that, I, I don't really know which is the better route to take for the Bengals right now. I think they can go get maybe someone like Najee Harris and run with him. But if they can provide for Joe, you need something for Burrow, they can contend in this division. Like I said, the Steelers might be on the on the downswing. Who knows what's going to happen with the Browns in the next couple of years with all of their contracts? Because they got a lot of them. The only team that they consistently will have to worry about is going to be the Baltimore Ravens. And with that kind of outlook in the next couple of years, even up to just next season, we'll see after the draft how I feel about it, but... They can contend in the division and at least the wild card. They just win their games out of division. They can still make the wild card. That's what the Browns did this season. The Bengals don't have a great track record. But they can right their wrongs in the next couple of years with a quarterback like Joe Burrow. And that's the AFC North. Thanks for getting all the way through. Thanks for listening. Made it this far. 
go find me on Instagram. No interference pod. Find me on Twitter. No interference. Thanks for making it all the way to the end. If you like this show, go and share some stuff, like some stuff, tell your friends. And if not, sorry, we're just going to move on. Thanks for listening, though. I've been your host, Quinter, and I'll see you guys next time on No Interference.